your own beer it's time for just brew it brought to you by niagara tradition homebrew here's your host jeremy white and bert deister good saturday morning welcome to niagara traditions just brew it here on espn 1520 jeremy white with bert deister and uh last week we did making christmas beer which uh hopefully people went out and made their christmas beer yeah and it's not still too late you have 24 days to christmas put it this way as we and in, in if you're thinking about Christmas shopping, 24 days. But you still have time to get one on, especially if you have a kegging system. But as you get closer and closer to events like this where you want to have a beer, the one thing is your total percentage of alcohol goes down because you don't have much time to let it ferment. Like total amount of spicing is going to go down. And if you have any problems, um, you're not really going to have time to deal with it. So you still have time to brew a Christmas beer, but you're really going to need to stay on top of it. You might have to make a little bit lower alcohol than you wanted to to make sure it's ready in time. But you still got three weeks to make a Christmas beer if you so choose. Yeah. Well, if that's something you want to do, on demand at our uh, Audio Vault at ESPN 1520 and WGR's Audio Vault as well. Uh, that's how you can go ahead and find that recipe. Uh, this week, we'll get to a couple different things. We are... 23 days till Christmas? What's today? Today's the second, so 23, 24 days until Christmas. Oh, yeah, 20, yeah. yeah 20, oh. 23. It's creeping up on us. Um, specials that are going on in holiday hours. The holiday hours are a little bit later still, a couple weeks yeah, from now. two weeks before Christmas. We usually start moving into the holiday hours. We do have a new box kit, so the New England IPA box kit is ready. So this is an extract box kit, and it's still going to be nice, light-bodied. We put a lot of time into this. If you've been coming into the store over the summer, you've probably tasted a couple of variations. We've tried to kind of perfect this box kit. And I say there's no perfect beer, but I think we've come pretty darn close. And okay. We're already selling those off the shelves. We have them stacked up. So if you're looking to get your brewer a new box hit, or if you're trying to get a new recipe in there and, and, you know, this is your fancy, we have it. So it's new. You haven't had it before, and we got it on the shelf now. Very good. Uh, and anytime you can go to nthomebrew.com during this holiday season, maybe you're running a bunch of errands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can order online and pick up the stuff that you need. So maybe order and then just swing around. Yep. You guys uh, help people out that way too. Yeah. And with when you shop local and you shop online, even if you can't make it into the store, if you decide to just say, do you want to, to have this sent to my house? It's only $10. It's going to be convenient or 8 bucks, depending on how much the order is, especially if you're kind of in the you know Erie or Niagara counties. It's going to be cheap. And you're going to get it in two to three days anyways. We're going to pack it up the same day you order it. It's going to get sent to the post office. It's going to go to dispatch, and it's going to be you the next day. So when you do local, you don't need to pay for fast shipping. It's going to get to you almost overnight anyways. So two to three days on all local shipping. Um, If you're trying to get a gift in there, you got three weeks. So you can put it in store pickup now and then maybe change it over to mail order later all right very good and today there's a big event santa's of swig put on by the sultans of swig uh, that's this afternoon from one to four at buffalo ironworks tickets are twenty dollars it's a fundraiser for the matt urban hope center and uh, information is at sultansofswig.com you can donate an unwrapped toy with a ten dollar value and get 10 free raffle tickets and you we've been pointing out each week that this is not your normal kind of competition yeah where, yeah, yeah, so, where you're looking at classic styles where brewers are kind of trying to make a new recipe based on an old classic 
this is just a free-for-all. And so if you are always looking for new, interesting beers or kind of limited release, this is going to be the place because you're going to have 20, we'll put it, limited release beers all at this one event. You get to judge the winner, and they're all going to be interesting because home brewers, often we say you have to brew beer that you're willing to drink 50 beers in a row of. Um, And so when you're brewing for an event like this, you can get a little more off the wall because people showing up are going to drink all the beer for you. Mm -hmm. So what you're willing to have in a four-ounce sample is a lot different than what you're willing to drink 50 ounces of. Right, So big difference there. Okay. So keep that in mind. If you got time today, get out to the uh, Buffalo Ironworks the Matt Urban Hope Center benefiting from the Santas of Swig. Are you supposed to dress like Santa? I'm sure you'll be welcome. Nobody will do. stop you. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Uh, also, the Taste of Buffalo homebrew competition, something we've been keeping an eye on. We're kind of still waiting for further details. Yeah, so they haven't had a, a complete list up. We're going to email out um, a link to the website as soon as they have it up with all the list of styles. It's all light summer styles, basically everything light-bodied in session. So Belgian blondes um, to uh, you know kind of session IPAs and pale ales. Um, and their uh, deadline is going to be early January. So if you have some light beers left over from summer, start setting them aside now. And if you you know really want to plan out for this competition, you're going to have plenty of time to brew when they put the, the list of categories up, partially because it's all light beer styles. All right. So, again, plan on that. Start brewing something for that. Um, the competition will be actually – the competition is coming up early January, and then, of course, you get to be the star of the show at the Taste of Buffalo when they're going to do that. All right, so last week was Christmas beers. This week, what's our what's the meat of our show? What are we getting into? Well, we're talking about keeping fermentations warm. We talked a couple of weeks ago about what to do if you have a stuck fermentation because we had a big cold snap. Well, it's not a cold snap anymore. It's here to stay. So now we need to focus on keeping every fermentation warm. Um, and as we kind of look at this, we often talk to home brewers and they say, oh, you know, I have a finished basement. I keep my house at 68, 70 degrees. This isn't a problem. It's a problem. It's only 70 degrees at chest height, at your thermostat, in your living room. Unless that's where you're keeping your beer, it's going to be a problem. We often talk about the season, too, as a home brewing season. And I, I think it sounds kind of funny. I'm sitting here talking about all these problems, how it's going to be too cold for your beer in the basement. Um, but there's a lot of other advantages. It's great for bottle storage. Um, you got cold tap water, so chilling's going to be a breeze. Um, but this cold weather, especially in the northeast here with our cold basements, provide a little bit of problems for the fermentations. For every other part of the process, it's better. But for the fermentation, you're going to have to think about some way to keep it warm um, because you're not obviously going to want to heat your basement to 70 degrees every time you decide to brew a beer. Um, And we often talk about in this hobby that maybe we're not – if you're already listening to the show, you're a home brewer. Mm -hmm. We we don't have to convince you to home brew. However, we do try to point you to little bits of advice that will not only make your beer a little bit better but also keep home brewing popular in your house. And this is one of them. Keeping control of a fermentation in a set location will make you a lot more popular than running around with a bucket all over the house trying to find that perfect temperature. And then when you do, you know, it starts spraying all over the place. 
that's not going to make you too popular in the house. And no mm-hmm. matter how good the beer is, people are still going to be thinking about how you spent two nights kind of cleaning up all the croissant from all over the kitchen or all over the spare bedroom. Um, it's going to be in the back of your head. So you want to deal with this a little bit ahead of time. So think about it a couple of days before you brew. Come up with a game plan. Doing anything is going to be much better than doing nothing. Um you may not get the control you want. You may not get as warm as you want, but it's not going to cold crash out at, you know, 48, 38 degrees on you. So first thing we look at is why we keep the fermentation warm. Right? Why not just throw it in the basement? We talk about the yeast metabolic rate being really kind of controlled uh, by the ambient temperature. And so when fermentation is too cold, it creates a couple different problems. The yeast may, well, one, they're going to ferment slower, but they may not ferment out all the sugars that you would like. So we call this under attenuation. Um, they also may leave some other flavors in the beer, acetaldehyde, which we talk about all the time, and diacetyl. So what often happens is even at a colder temperature, or if you put the beer into the fermenter at 70 degrees and put it into a room that's 50 degrees, it's going to start fermenting. And then usually after 24, 48 hours, it can't attenuate any more sugars at that temperature and it begins to shut down. If you leave it there too long, the yeast will crash. So it'll all fall to the bottom of the fermenter. And this sticks us with a beer that is again full of apple flavors and kind of butterscotch, but also is kind of sickly sweet and may have some other esters from a stress fermentation as well. So keeping a warm fermentation is gonna mean that you're gonna have healthy fermentation, it's gonna clean up and the beer's gonna fully attenuate. So basically means that you're gonna get through the primary fermentation without any problems in the kind of time frame that you would expect looking at the yeast. So if you're doing an English bitter and you're able to keep it at 68 degrees, you know it's going to attenuate out in three to four days. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're kind of fermenting, say if you decide, okay, I'm going to look at the ale yeast and I'm going to go for the lower fermentation range, I'm going to get some Nottingham or some German alt, and I'm going to go ahead and let it ferment at 58, 60 degrees, it may take forever. It may not fully attenuate as much as you want, and it may be a little bit kind of, you know, appley. So just because you can get it to ferment at lower temperatures doesn't mean it's always going to work. Okay. Now, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago, and we'll kind of go back to it. Now, if you have made this mistake, you have a beer sitting in the basement, it's halfway attenuated, what can you do? And it's an easy fix without buying any more equipment right now. Just like we talked about, move it to a warmer area. Bring it upstairs, give it a good shake to kind of rouse the yeast back up into the ferment, fermentation, and it should start going again. Um, but again, this is not going to be very convenient for you carrying a 40-pound you know, bucket of beer around the house, having to check on it every 12 hours to make sure it's not too warm, not too cold, and make sure it's not spraying, you know, again, all over your house. So there's stuff you can do right now. Bring it upstairs, keep an eye on it, stir it. Um, check the temperature. You can always add another yeast packet if you feel like it's not taking off again fast enough or if it's not hitting those final numbers that you really want. But you want to plan something for the next beer. Okay. Um, and we talk about this a lot, you know, pre-planning with, you know, you know, yeast starters, looking at your mineral content. There's a lot of fun research that can be done with home brewing, you know, two or three days ahead of time. Um, I would always suggest kind of if you're going to set up a fermentation chamber like we're talking about today to do it ahead of time because that way you can plug it in, you can kind of check the temperatures. So prep a couple of days before. Now, if you're going downstairs, take your fermentation bucket, put some water in it, 
look at the thermometer on the side and leave it there for 24 hours. This is going to give you a good idea of what your ambient temperature is. The fermentation has a lot of capacity, meaning it can hold a lot of thermal energy. So it's going to maintain an average of your basement temperature. It's not going to be the air temperature that it is when you walk down there. It's going to be an average of the temperature it sees over a 24-hour period. So you're going to want to do that ahead of time. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to do all lagers in the basement all winter. And this is the advice you're going to get from your friends who probably know nothing about home brewing. And to be quite honest, this is an option, but it's not going to be as easy as you think it is. You're still going to have to bring the temperature up for diacetyl rest. You're not completely out of the woods. Um, so you're still carrying the bucket upstairs after day four or five. Or like me, when I didn't have a fermentation chamber, I would move the bucket up the stairs from my basement one stair every day for seven days and then at the end of that i would put it under the kitchen table by the heat register wow. and that would be my lagering process without a fermentation chamber and it worked really good but i can't tell you how many times i forgot the fermentation on step two literally step two and would leave it there for four days and it would come up to the top of the stairs and i would be worried about the attenuation i would throw it right up next to the heat register and I'd kind of get there a little bit too early because i was a little bit worried that is impressive that you would go to such lengths to go one step at a time like yep wow come home from work every day move check the temperature step. see the airlocks moving move it up one step wow. which all worked out great until you're carrying laundry into the basement at, you know right. in the middle of the right. night and you know then you find your fermenter um, unexpectedly. Um, so these are some things to think about. It's not going to be as easy as just do lagers or maybe not as easy as you think of because you still need to ramp up that temperature, you know, day by day. Okay. Well, all right, we'll get to a break and we'll go on to the next, the, the rest of it. That's, um, I'm yeah, just impressed. How to keep it warm. Yeah, how to keep it warm. I'm, I'm impressed with your, de that dedication, that step at a time. You, you really sense the difference in temperature. You, you want to be that gentle, to, yeah. uh, to the yeast. Ideally. Huh. Um, and, and I guess that's the one thing that if you're going to look at one disadvantage of the moving the fermenter around all over the place, yeast don't like shocking changes. And, mm -hmm. and they tend to go rapidly into kind of different territory. So you bring them up, you know, uh, 10 degrees from, say, 58 to 68. And sometimes they'll start producing those phenols, even though you're not expecting them to 72, 74, just from that jump. And the other thing that we don't really think about is a fermentation, a bucket, unless it's fully agitated, unless it's being convected by the fermentation, doesn't really change its temperature evenly across the fermentation. It might end up warmer at the top. You might end up with a heat ball at the center. If it's not convecting, if it's not full fermentation, you can't trust that the temperature you're seeing at the outside that you're seeing at the top of the fermenter is the same temperature you're seeing all the way through. They tend to develop a thermocline. All right, so how to keep it warm when we get back? The, uh, the flip side of all this. It is Nag Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. 
Welcome back. Niagara Traditions just brew it here on ESPN 1520. All right, so we've been talking about as a general topic, uh, keeping fermentation warm, and you've you know, laid out steps to do that. How about uh, how long this process should take? How long you should try to keep this warm? Yeah, and this is one of the reasons I love brewing in the winter is because obviously once the beer's carbonated or it's sitting in a keg, if it's sitting in a car buoy, you want to keep it cold. So remember, this is still the brewing season. It's the time of year when I can just brew stuff, keg it, and shove it in the corner. I don't have to worry about it until the basement gets up over, you know, 45, 50 degrees. Mm -hmm. So you do have the ability to cellar tons of beer without cold space, whether that's in, again, secondary keg or bottle. You can just set it someplace, and chances are, if your basement's unfinished like mine, I can go down to a case of bottles on the floor, pick a bottle out, and it's already kind of the right temperature for serving. Um... But when you're keeping for the fermentation, you only need the primary fermentation, plus if you do an early rack into secondary, maybe a couple extra days. So you don't really need to keep the heat for that long. We're only looking at 7 to 10 days here. So that's where, the again, the, the dedication of moving it up one step. Right. I only have to do this for a week. You have enough steps, it, it, too. Yep, I have enough. So I got seven steps down to the basement. Convenient. Um, so the, you only need to keep it kind of a tentative of the temperature for a short time. And if you if you do that, again, you can put it into a secondary, you can put it into the corner of the basement, and even a light, like beer, um, say, uh, you know, an uh, Irish stout, uh, light in alcohol, or even light and hot beer, will last a long time sitting in a cold basement bulk aging. Okay. So, it's again, it is brewing season. It's going to be a lot easier than the summer <laughs> when you have to keep everything cool. Um now let's kind of look at the heat sources because there's kind of four kind of favorited, we'll say, options from homebrewers. And we'll talk about the first one, which is the hair dryer. And this is kind of preferred because it's cheap and it's readily available. You can go down to your local drugstore. You can pick one up for 10 bucks. You can plug it in. And then you can sit there all night worried that it's going to burn your house down. Um, so there's, again, hair dryers are cheap. They produce a lot of heat but it's completely unregulated. And some of the temperatures coming out of hair dryers are well over 750 degrees. Um, so unlike some of the other options, Jeez. it's not providing a constant low heat source. You're going to have to find something to regulate it. And when it's on, you're going to have to worry about it burning something inside your fermentation chamber. So for a long time, hair dryers were the standard. But I can tell you, I've used one once. I never felt comfortable with it. Um, I was nervous all the time. And I get in trouble because I didn't run down to CVS and pick up a new hair dryer. I just borrowed the one from the household right. and kind of played dumb when people said, where's the hair dryer? And didn't tell them. It's sitting in the box running in the basement. I don't know if it's not going to you yeah. know, smoke us all out in the middle of the, the night. I would think you'd, you'd keep it at a reasonable distance, right? Like Yeah. Usually what you end up doing is taking a big box or preferably like a, a metal refrigerator and you put the hair dryer and then you hook it up to a thermostat okay. and then you know it's turning on and off and on and off and and the big thing when using a hair dryer too if i can kind of go off topic is you don't want to put your thermal well in the fermenter you want the thermal well so that what's actually reading the temperature to be out in the air temp because if your fermentation does get cold say if you have a power outage it might take again that fermentation hours if not like 12 hours to warm back up once the power turns back on and meanwhile you're going to have that hair dryer spewing out a thousand degree literally heat inside your fermentation chamber and it could scorch stuff and again worst case scenario it starts a fire so if the first thing i would tell you is the go-to 
you know, kind of heat source for home brewing is by far the worst. So stay away from the hair dryer if you can. The next choice, because of, again, it's being easily available and fairly cheap, is an aquarium heater. And this is great because it has its built-in control for you. So if you're looking for the cheapest option and one where you automatically get a temperature controller and one you can trust to not burn you in the middle of the night, go for the aquarium heater. The big disadvantage is you have a low total heat amount. So if your basement's really cold, it might not get the temperatures you want without a lot of insulation, and it requires a water bath so it can get a little bit messy, meaning you need some type of container that can hold at least like, you know, five gallons of water around your fermenter. So you have to have your bucket or your fermenter inside a larger bucket, um, and then you have to heat that water with the aquarium heater because you don't want to put it directly into the beer. Now, this can get a little messy. The thermostats on these things are not great. Um, and again, so there's not the easiest, it's not the most fancy setup, but the aquarium heater, if, if you don't live near a homebrew shop, um, you don't have a lot of other options, this would probably be my go-to. Now let's kind of talk about the two options that are really kind of meant for fermentation. And the first one is the traditional heat belt. Now this is available at pretty much all homebrew shops. They're fairly heat, you know, cheap. They have a limited total heat, but they're really reliable. So these are a belt that plug right into your wall. You strap them around the fermenter and they provide a slow, low amount of heat. Um, and these can be great, especially if you're not going to do anything for temperature regulation. Um, if you put them into a chamber, you can heat more than one fermenter. And then the last option is probably the best, and it's what I've started to use now is a heat pad. These are not available at all homebrew shops because you have to be ordering from either a kegging supply or sometimes a hydroponic supply um, wholesaler, which not all homebrew shops do. And the other thing is, and I can tell you this from personal experience, because these things are being sold really kind of seasonally for people mostly in the spring starting seeds or again right around the holiday time um, they're not readily available through wholesalers so your homebrew shop has to think ahead and buy a bunch of them so that when you get into the season of like January February where you really need them but nobody's starting to think about garden gardening or incubating eggs right now um, you can get your heat pad. So they're also available at some garden centers as well as farm supply stores. Those ones are usually a little bit bigger um, as far as total area and have a little less heat than you want on a fermentation pad. The fermentation pads get up to about 110, 120 degrees total, where some of the ones for incubation will kind of be closer to 100 degrees okay. because you're meant to put eggs or seedlings right on the pad. Um, so the ones for fermentation are a little bit better, but still the ones available through a garden center are going to be just fine. And again, these are reliable. They're low wattage. You can leave them overnight. They're not going to kill the electric bill. Um, and again, you don't have to worry about them burning you down in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. However, if you don't have a way to control the heat, you still have to worry about them bringing your fermentation to warm. So with a controller, it's pretty easy. Um, you set a temperature, you plug the heat source into the controller. You either put the probe inside the thermal well in the fermenter or just 
tape it to the outside of the fermenter with a little bit of insulation around it. The controller's going to turn off whenever you hit your desired fermentation temperature, and it's really going to keep you into a desired range. And with most controllers, I know with every one we sell at Niagara Tradition, as well as kind of some of the other cheaper ones I bought, you can control the differential. So you can control how long it's going to let the fermentation temperature drop before it comes back up. So if you want one degree, if you want two degrees, you know, if you're just using it a fail safe and you want to set a floor, you can do that and you'll be okay. Without a controller, it gets a little bit harder. You're going to want to check on this twice daily. So once before you go to work in the morning and once when you get home, kind of like I would with my logger on the steps. And it's going to take quite a bit of dedication. So you have a few options on how you can change the amount of heat. One thing I really like doing is putting my fermentations into a box to kind of help heat the air around them, not just the fermentation. I can tell you this is really key when trying to get really warm fermentations in the winter. So I was talking to another home brewer recently. So I've always just, uh, in recent history, taken my pad, thrown it into my fermentation chamber, switch it over to heat when we get to the winter, and not worry about it. Because I'm using a big metal refrigerator, which also has a lot of transfer as well as a lot of capacity itself, I'm spending a lot of kind of energy heating actual refrigerator body itself. And not all of that is getting to the fermentation. So with my big bad heating pad and my fridge, I can only hit about 80, 85 degrees. When I was talking to another home brewer who puts his fermentation inside a sleeping bag, throws the pad in there with it, he says uh, without the controller, it was able to get up to the full 120 degrees of the pad. And this was sitting in his kitchen, wrapped in insulation. He says kitchen was about 62 degrees. Um, so just to let you know, while the keyser kind of uh, or, uh, you know, old refrigerator fermentation chamber is by far the easiest to use, you may not actually get the high-end temperatures that you're looking for. So little trip, old sleeping bag, actually the best in industry. Okay. Um, but if you're using this box or other kind of point of insulation, if you notice that the temperature starts to climb up past where you're looking for, you can start opening up the box, opening up the sleeping bag to kind of let some of that heat out, and that gives you your control. So I would use a box, you know, if you do kind of the, you know, non-tape fold over where you kind of tuck all the corners into each other, um, I would start slowly opening up one corner. You know what I mean? And, you know, one corner would drop me down a couple of degrees. If it was still climbing, I'd open up another one. If I needed to, eventually I was sitting there with the lid off. You can also change the positioning of the heat source around the fermenter. This is why I was saying that the belts are probably your best bet if you're not going to go with the controller. If you're not getting enough heat, start moving the belt lower and lower down the fermentation. Um, if you are getting too much heat, start moving it up. You're going to convect less, you're going to have less of the beer getting hit with the rising heat, and you're going to get a little bit less temperature. If you move it all the way to the bottom and you're still not getting enough, start adding insulation. Start with a light hoodie, you know, move to a fall coat, and then on to a winter jacket if really needed to kind of keep that fermentation warm. Mm -hmm. um, but you have a lot of options to keep your kind of fermentation warm. I would still say that, you know, winter is definitely brewing season because you only have to pay attention to one fermenter at any given time. And it's always a lot cheaper as far as your energy demands to warm a fermentation, say 10 degrees, than it is to try to chill it we'll say 20 degrees in the summer. So still brewing season. You might need a little bit of heat source unless you're a bachelor. In that case, I would say do what I want to do. Put the fermentation right on the kitchen table. Have your coffee, stare at it every morning, 
you know, eat dinner, kind of keep the <laughs> fermentation company. Yeah. If it was up to me, that's where it would be. But it's not, so it's in the basement. I need a fermentation chamber. All right. Well, that's it. All you need to know about how to keep your fermentation warm. Uh, the Taste of Buffalo Homebrew Competition, again, get your beers in, get your beers rolling for that. We'll get you more details as they go. And if you're looking for something to do today, one to four, Buffalo Ironworks for the Santas of Swig. We're back next week. Good beer, good yeah, cause. Yeah, good beer, good cause. The Matt Urban Hope Center, uh, $20 for tickets to that. And bring a toy for $10. You'll get 10 free raffle tickets. That's it for us here on Nog Traditions. Just brew it. Beer, 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 beer. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.